Good morning, Faith Promise. How's everybody doing this weekend? Promisers. Woo! At all of our campuses, welcome all the promisers from all over East Tennessee. It's great to see you. I was glad unto me when they said, let us come to the house of the Lord. We met, amen, give him some praise this morning. We, uh, I always meet with a prayer team early on Sunday morning at the Pellissippi campus, and one of, the, one of the prayer people said, when they came in, said, Every, this is my happy place. Man, I love coming to church, and that's the way it ought to be, amen? The people are excited about the house of God and worship and the things of God. So, man, I just want to tell you, I love you so much as your pastor. What a privilege that Michelle and I have to be a part of what God is doing. We love you so much. Matter of fact, at all of our campuses, I should have done this last week, and I didn't. My bad. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. But at, every, at all of our multi-sites, at Chad, at Campbell, and Robbie is new, but, but uh, Sid at Anderson, and Robbie's a new camps pastor, Mike at North Knoxville, Matt at Blunt County, Kyle at our internet campus. These guys do a great job. October was Pastor Appreciation Month. Every campus, you guys give these guys a hand. We love them, man. Thank all y'all do. Somebody at those campuses, take those guys out to lunch, get them a gift card, do something for them, man. We're thrilled. We love you. And I, I tell you, I'm in love with what God is doing at Faith Promise Church because God is doing the work. He is setting the captives free. Is he not? It is just so cool. I've got an email last week. If you were here last weekend, uh, we, we talked about some of the things upcoming. One of them was the God Behind Bars. Y'all remember that? If you missed last weekend, go online, podcast it, go to a resource center, get a free DVD, a free CD, but you need to hear as we launch in the heart for the harvest. But last weekend, we promoted, uh, we promoted God Behind Bars. Our new campus is going to be an East Tennessee prison, Faith Promise Behind Bars. And a gentleman was attending with his 15-year-old daughter, and he sent me an email, and I'm not going to give his name because I didn't ask permission, but he said, I just got out of prison in Kentucky. And did not know if I would be accepted. Have been at Faith Promise for a few weeks. He said, I still have a big black ankle tracker. And he said, I'm afraid to cross my legs at church because I'm afraid somebody sitting near me will see that ankle tracker, the, the, the tracker and I'll be rejected. This church won't love me. And, and man, he said, we wept. Me and my daughter wept the whole service. He said, I know I'm home. I know people love me here. And he said, amen. It was awesome. It was awesome. And he said... I got saved in prison. And he said, I need to be baptized. He said, but I can't be baptized because I got my, my ankle tracker. So in December, I'm going to be baptized. Now, we believe in immersion, right? Yeah. See, but this is the deal. I think we can baptize a guy, leave his ankle hanging out. Are y'all with that? Yeah. Come on, somebody. No doubt about it. So we're going to do that. And, uh, and man, just, it just, it just, I'm just, I'm just stoked. Jesus came to set the captives free and man, we're seeing it. We're experiencing it at all of our campuses and it's so, so cool. So again, if you missed last week and you need to get it because we're now in four weeks of what we call heart for the harvest. And if you're new, you don't know what that is, but every November we, we, we give a special offering to the Lord. Now we give our tithes and offerings every weekend. We don't do capital campaigns, we don't do anything else, but we take one special offering up a year, and it's for campus expansion, debt reduction, and compassion initiatives. In a little bit, I'll, I'll share that with you. Matter of fact, in, in your seat, there is a card that says sacrifice, and it shows where the bulk of the money is gone and where the money is going to. It's in your seat. 
Not every, like, remember last year we did a, or this, early this year, last year we did a pool for MR Youth, inner city Knoxville. That's not on there. It's sort of a high level view. We, but again, in two more weeks, we'll give, we'll give that offering. There's an envelope in your chair. You could take it, put it on your refrigerator. And remember to pray. We're, we're just finished seven days of a 21-day fast asking God to move for 100% participation and, and for you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want my family to do in the midst of this heart for the harvest? What is your part? What, what does God want me to do? Because we've, we've had a vision now for, for six years, and it's called the Decade of Dreams, and it's to reach 10,000 people in East Tennessee in this decade, so before 2020, and we're right on target. We're 20% over last year. Our, we're, we set new records in baptisms and so many things this year. We're grateful to God, but our heart for the harvest is so critical in us getting to where we believe that God wants us to be. So I'm supposed to talk about giving because I'm the preacher. And everybody says today, all the preacher wants is your money. And, and, and I think about, see, it's politically incorrect now to take offerings and ask for money. Would y'all agree with that? So what's going to happen to the church in America in 25 years? Because you didn't just wake up and gremlins built this. So what's going to happen if we don't teach generosity and the biblical tithe to the next generation? Are y'all with me? So I'm supposed to talk about it. I'm, man, I'm the preacher, the primary beggar at Faith Promise Church. But what I've done is I've, I've asked a couple from our core to come and share a little bit. I'm going to interview them so that it's not just me, but it's others. Dr. Keith Gray has been recognized as one of the top docs by Knoxville City View Magazine, five years running, and has received eight Guardian Angel Awards from his patients in recognition of his outstanding patient care and compassion. As the Chief of the Surgical Oncology Division at the University of Tennessee, Dr. Gray has done some amazing things, but his church and his wife and kids are what is truly the most important in his life. Please give a warm welcome to Dr. Keith Gray. Um, guys, now, let me begin by apologizing to Kayla again, because when our credit team shot this video, Keith was going to do the message, or he and I were going to do something together, and as, as we realized how afraid that Keith really was, we had to bring Kayla for support, <laughs> and so she is not on the video, but Keith and Kayla are part of our core. Keith's an elder. Kayla's on our leadership team, and we, we just wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for people like Keith and Kayla, and when we talk about offerings, and I say things like you know, X number of people tithe and people are mad about giving. People like Keith and Kayla say, we don't understand that. And so I said, good. It's not just going to be me this year. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk to you guys. So you guys are committed Christ followers and, and all that kind of stuff. You're a huge part of Faith Promise Church, sacrificial givers for years. Why? Why, guys, have you, why, why have y'all been sacrificial givers? We've been very fortunate over the last 20 years to be a part of great movements of God in every city that we've been in, Winston-Salem, Nashville, Houston, and then here. And when we got here, we've been here since early 2008, we knew after just a few months that the Holy Spirit was going to do something magnificent in Knoxville and that the Holy Spirit, that wind of the Holy Spirit was going to blow right down Pellissippi Parkway mm. through Faith Promise Church. And we wanted to be a part of that. We did not want to be on the sidelines, and we, and we didn't know if we were right. But I said, if we are, we're going to be a part of that, and part of that is through generosity and giving. Amen. So tell us 
about the first time you gave and, and what prompted you to give? Not a faith promise, but before, you know, here. Yeah, I just think it's, it's, it's first of all, not us, uh, but about seeing people, seeing change in their lives that the Holy Spirit brings. We knew as a couple what God had done for us. When I met Kayla, she was already a believer, had been a believer for a long time. I was a new believer uh, about four years into it when we met. And over that time, we've seen God do miraculous things, and we wanted that to happen for somebody else. Didn't have anything to do with the money, but we just wanted the hand of, of God and his favor on the people that were in our circle of influence. Amen. So who taught you guys generosity and sacrifice? Who taught y'all that? I, I grew up in a Christian home um, with uh, godly parents, and they taught me about tithing as, as, a, as a young girl. I mean, that was one of the principles in our home, you know, with our little allowance. You know, you give 10%, you save 10%, the other 80 you can spend. And so I, I kind of grew up with that mindset. Um, when Keith and I um, met in, in medical school and got married, he, like he said, he was a, a little bit younger believer, um, hadn't really um, learned about tithing. Um, but we went to church one, one Sunday, and the, the pastor talked about tithing, and my husband, you know, looked at me and was like, we need to do this. And I thought, awesome, yeah, we do. So, you know, we're, we're in med school. Um, we don't really ha- have any money. We're on student loans, and so we get our student loan check in the mail, and, you know, Keith kind of looks at it, and he's like, great, our, our loan check is here. We need to tithe on this. And I'm, like, scratching my head, like, mm-hmm. I don't really think we have to tithe on our student loan check, but yes, amen. Hey, you want to give, you want to tithe off our student loan check? Great. So we started tithing together um, as a couple in med school off of our student loan check, um, and God has, has blessed that. We started small. I mean, just with, with loan money that came in, we started um, tithing, and um, we've been tithers ever since as a couple. When we read Malachi... And God said, and Kayla knows, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a numbers person. I love geometry because I love those if-then statements. If you do this, then I will do that. And God said, if you do what I've asked you to do, then I will open up the window and pour out a blessing that you won't have room enough to store. And that was 20 years ago. And I said, God, we're going to trust you in that. And I said, we want to see, honestly, what you're going to do. And, I mean, we, at some points, we, we say, we got to close that window on our lives and let him open that window for somebody else because we have so much blessing as a result of obedience. Well, early on, I'm going to, in the, in the, you didn't share Saturday night this, but you shared in the last service about the blessings when you tithe, and it's not all money. And you talked about a couple things with your kids when they were young. Sh- share that if you would, Keith. So my, my daughter, she's there. Actually, my oldest two daughters are serving in the, uh, in the children's ministry now, but Kenzie's 14. She was born with a cleft lip and palate, which is very unusual on the side that she had it, unusual in African American, so on and so forth. And what, what I was most struck by, Kayla and I, uh, was that not only did she have a problem with her face at the time, my first daughter, but he said, this often goes along with other neurological growth defects that don't manifest until later on. So that put us in a 10 to 15 year holding pattern just to see what would happen and what wouldn't happen. So we were very, very afraid and, and intimidated by that. And then my second daughter, who was born 13 months later, was born with a heart defect. And they said she'll probably, she won't have to have surgery, we found out after about a year, but she'll probably never play competitive sports. Now, Kenzie, for those of you that know my daughter's 14, she's 5'8", she's beautiful. Leah plays competitive softball. We travel all across the Southeast playing softball every weekend. And so those are the blessings. And then my little boy, when he was 20 months old, um, we just got back from Disney World, he pulled a crock pot down onto his head. And so if he had been one inch taller, he would not have fit underneath the granite and his face would have been ruined, but because he could put, he, he migrated underneath the granite, 
the, the hot grease or whatever it was rolled down his back and burned his mm. back instead of his face. And so when we start talking about the blessings that overflow, those are the things that we, we the hand of, of God protecting us, that's, that's what we remember. We don't, we've gotten a lot of raises since the student loans in 1995. <laughs> but that's at the bottom of our list as far as what God has done for us. Amen. And Keith is the, he was chief of staff at UT Medical. By the way, we, we say Dr. Keith and Caleb, but I, it, it really truly is doctors and doctors, Keith and Kayla Gray, because uh, Kayla's also a doctor. It just, when she finished, they started having kids and kept on having kids. They have a basketball team now. They have five, four beautiful girls who praise God, look like their mother, and then one <laughs> son. And so, uh, uh, now, you guys are what, what I call team givers, you know, and a lot of couples at Faith Promise, because we have a lot of people, people that don't have a church background who, when it comes to giving, the, the husband and wife really struggle. And you guys, man, you guys are team givers. How does that work out in the gray house about what you're going to do giving-wise? The first thing we, we do is, is we pray. We ask God, you know, what we're to give to. Um, and, you know, God always confirms in both of our hearts, we, we really need to give to this. And then we separately um, will go before the Lord and pray about how much to give. And the amazing thing, and this, this started very early on in our, our marriage, we would pray about how much money are we supposed to give to this. Um, and the Holy Spirit would give me an amount of money, and then he would give my husband an amount of money uh, separately, we get together and say, okay, have you, you know, been praying about what to give? We write our number down. And I think the Lord is, is telling me to give this. Every time for 20 years, we, when we pray about giving, the Holy Spirit gives us both the same number. We'll write our numbers down, slide them across the table to each other, and we're like, there it is. Sometimes it's a crazy number. We have both written down some numbers and I'm like, okay, I, the Lord is telling me this. I pray that's not what he's telling you. <laughs> Usually it is. And so, um, you know, that's, it, you know, it's confirmation on our hearts. God's telling us to give. He's telling us to give this much. We got to be obedient in that. And so um, first I would say pray about it um, and then let the Holy Spirit lead. And if your spouse is not sure about giving, then you start praying for your spouse. If you have a husband who d is afraid to give, pray for him. Pray that the Holy Spirit will move on his heart. If you have a wife that, you know, you want to give, but your wife just isn't right there, Prayer moves mountains. It, it can melt the heart of the hardest heart. So be praying for your spouse, and, and um, God will bless it. So don't beat them up? Mm, I don't think so. No, don't beat them up. <laughs> Maybe. I think for the men out there who we're oftentimes the ones that don't want to give, we're the, we're the I'm going to use the term, and it's not derogatory in any way or not chauvinistic, but we're the breadwinners most, most often. And we, we, I have six dependents, so I get it. But the, the Bible talks about, again, we, we, we've alluded to, but the blessings that come from faithfulness and giving. And Kayla talks about the locusts come, and they will come to all of us. We know that. But they won't devour. And that's what we, that's what we look for, because it's not how much you make. It's how much you keep. And if the locusts devour everything that you make, you'll work yourself to death and have nothing to show for it. But being faithful to God, what God has asked us to do keeps the locusts from devouring. So you guys, I mean, you guys were tithing student loans when everybody would say, you don't have to give on that. Wait till you make money. That was money you're going to have to pay back. So you guys really from newlyweds have been sacrificial givers. How's, how, just, how, do, how do you view God's blessing over now 20 years of sacrificial giving? I mean, because you guys were dirt poor, poor college students. Yeah. 
You know, his ble- the blessing has chased us down. That's, that's the honest truth. We, you know, that's all, like as we've talked about, that's a whole nother, nother uh, session to talk about the blessings, but we've seen God through our influence do so many things for so many people, giving to faith promise. When we first came here, and somebody had to check the math, but I think there were about 1,800 in attendance on a weekend, and we're running close to 7,000 now. And that's not because of our giving, but that's because of our faithfulness and people like us all around this room and all across all the campuses Mm -hmm. that have chosen to push God's ministry forward. And that's not to say all the people in here that who you've influenced that are not here in this service. And so that's, that's, that's the greatest manifestation of faithfulness that we could ever hope for. It's easiest to see God's blessings in the lives of people that you love around you. And I, and I think for, for Keith and us, our giving is always attached to people. It's an individual that, that, you know, somebody that we know out in the community that, that because we're at Faith Promise, we're faithful here, they come, they get to be a part of, of, of this ministry, and all of a sudden their lives has changed. There, there's no amount of, of, of money or, or sacrificial that's, that, I mean, that can compare. It's priceless. And so that's, for us, giving is always attached to what it's doing in the lives of people that we love. Amen. Now, there's, again, a lot of people that don't have a church background, didn't get taught like you did, tithing and generosity from godly parents. Well, Kayla, what would you tell someone this weekend who's really thinking about giving but has never really given to church? They're considering giving for the first time. What would you tell them? Like I always tell my girls, Nike, just do it. Just do it. Take that first small step. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, take one small step and just watch and see what God will do. It, it takes a step of faith, but man, the blessings will chase you down. I, I, I cannot say it strongly enough. Give. Do it. And, and just as simple as that. And, and I, I've, again, I get asked so much by Keith and Kayla Grays, the, the, these kind of people that go to our church, and I talk about people that don't give, or, and, and they say, I don't understand. It finally dawned on me working on this message that you guys gave long enough to see the hand of God, not just in your finances, but with your kids and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let me ask you one more question, and I'm so grateful for what you guys do here and love you. Keith and I meet monthly, uh, lo- love you. What is your giving taught your children? Because, you know, everybody hears me preach, but the greatest disciple makers in the home are the parents. What, t- tell us about your kids and what it's done for them. I think the kids are going to do what you do, not what you say. And so uh, I think the greatest blessing from us, of, of our kids learning from us, has been in our daughters who, who are now serving. Like as we talked about in the 10 o'clock ministry, they see beyond themselves. And number two, I think the greatest manifestation was my daughter, Kenzie, 14 years old. Kayla's brother uh, gave her a car, um, a fixer-upper, um, you know, it's for us to work on over the next two years until she gets her driver's license. And so we fixed the engine, um, and so she could drive it around the neighborhood to start practicing. And Kayla was, was ministering to this, to this family, and that family needed a car. And Kinsey gave that family her car. Um, yeah. So that... <laughs> you know, it, it, it's the things that we, we as, as blessed families, take for granted. That... that a uh, woman that Kayla was ministering to couldn't get her kids to daycare. She met her one day on a day just like today, walking in the rain, um, running errands, going to the grocery store, so on and so forth. So now she's able to take her kids, she's able to go to the grocery store, and she's able to come and worship at Faith Promise because of my daughter's 
gift. And so that's, that's the wow, greatest thing we could on, ever ask. Come on, man. Amen. And yes, praise the Lord. Well, Faith Promise is a highly blessed church, and one of the reasons is because people like Keith and Kayla Gray, who serve, who give, who lead, and who are just hyper-committed to advancement of the gender. We love you. Thank them one more time, would you? Amen. It's not just me. It's not just me. Come on, Triple H. I see you back there. It's not just me. And it is other people who believe the Bible. All right, if you've, got, if you've got your Bible, turn to the second half of 2 Corinthians. Again, these four weekends were camped out in 2 Corinthians verses eight, chapters 8 and chapter 9 because in context, these two chapters are Paul speaking to the church at Corinth about a free will offering just like Heart for the Harvest. The offering was going to go for Jews, uh, Jewish believers in Jerusalem who were, who were under great persecution and great poverty, and the churches of Macedonia, matter of fact, the, the Corinthian church had an idea, let's take up an offering. Paul said, great idea, I'm going to go on a missionary journey for a year. I'm going to go to Laodicea, I'm going to go to Philippi and Thessalonica and the Bereans and all these churches, and I'm going to swing back by, you guys have your offering ready when I get back, and I'm going to take it to Jerusalem. And so now Paul writes a letter as he's getting ready to go back to Corinth for the second time, and he sends this letter by the hands of Titus, and Titus goes and gets, gives them this deal. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 10, this is the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Again, if you missed last weekend, go back and, and listen to it. Paul said, I give my opinion in this matter. What's the matter? The offering, right? I give my opinion about your, about your giving in this matter, for this is to your what? I want you to hear something. It's a biblical principle and precedence. It is always to your advantage to give. In our culture, we think it's to my advantage to keep, but it is always in the biblical economy. It is always to your advantagement, to your betterment that you give. He's, he's again to the Corinthians, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, to give sacrificially, but also the desire to do it. It was your idea. So come on, boy, guys, let's, let's get ready. But now finish doing it. What's that word? Now, I don't know about you, but I am the world's best starter. Man, I can start. I'll get a project. My mother was project. My, my family calls my mother and me Project Pat. My mother's name is Pat, and I've always got a new project. And man, and I'm fired up about it. I get it together. This is what it's going to cost. I go to Home Depot. I buy all the stuff. I bring it back to my house, and I start until it's almost over, and then I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm done with it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? At my house right now, five projects are in flux. There's part of a gutter that's up. There's part of an outdoor kitchen that's built. And, and one of the things I did is we, we moved the television and got a larger TV because, you know, they're not anywhere near big enough. And so got a television and built this beautiful, ornate bookshelf. Man, I was so fired up about it. Built it, painted it, got it all done. And, and I had the, the, the dish people come out and to, to, to do wireless, you know, because they say there's wireless stuff now. It is not true. So they hook it up, and there's wires everywhere. I said, oh, time out a second, guys. I said, I know y'all didn't. This is wireless. They said, well, okay, it's four wires instead of five. And that's wireless, because in my world, that's a lie. You go to hell for that. And so, <laughs> well, 
well, you know, I said, okay. So now I've got this beautiful double bookshelf with a big screen TV to watch football this afternoon. And from this side of the room, all the way across this bookshelf, is a big, ugly black wire. All I got to do is drill a hole. Actually, two. If it was one, I'd do it. But it's two whole holes. And I moved that, moved that wire. See, I love to start, and I hate to finish. That's why Josh Whitehead, our executive pastor, does such a great job here because Josh loves to finish. And I love to. So we make a great team. I started, get it rolling. Josh, you finish it. And we'll get a ministry rolling. He'll say, Pastor, can I ask you a question? He said, you're tired of that, aren't you? Yes. But we're going to keep doing that, aren't we? Yes. Yeah, okay, I'm so sorry, Josh. And so, because why? I'm just, I bore, I just get tired. I don't like the weeds. I like to fly at 50,000 feet. I'm a visionary. Okay, I got it started. I'm going off to the next project. But Paul said to the Corinthians, hey, you guys are great starters. Man, you guys all got all fired up and got every, all these churches fired up. He said, what? Finish it. Finish doing it also so that just as there was a readiness, you really wanted to, to a desire so that there may be also the what? Get her done. Finish this. Come on, church. You started it. Finish it. And, and I'll sit, I'll, look what it says. Now, they're talking about finishing what? The offering. Of, by, your what? Let me speak to some people. Last week, I talked about greed. That's not everybody here. We had tons of, of single moms and young families who don't have a pot to pee in or winter to throw it out of. We have people that don't go check to check. That they, they go day to day. We have families that run out of money every month before they run out of month. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And there, they, many of you won't come on the offering weekend because you feel guilty because you can't give more money. Can I just, in Jesus' name, take all that guilt away? What does the Bible say? Give by your what? Not what you don't have. Deal with what you do. And so if you don't have much money, say, I want to give more. Listen, if God wanted you to give more money, he'd give you more money to give. Because this whole thing's God's, and whatever God orders, God pays for. Now, God gives us the money. The good news is we have all the money to do everything we need. The bad news is still in some of y'all's pockets. And I've been called by God to get it out of your pocket into the ministry. So, okay, you say all the, church, all the preacher wants is my money. I'm just going to go ahead and ride that puppy out, okay? That's just, that's the deal. So he said, listen, don't, listen, so don't feel guilty because some of you, it's not greed, it's fear. And some of you say, well, well I haven't if, if I give. Listen to Keith and Kayla who tied their, listen, I'm a generous person. I wouldn't have tied on my student loans. Amen? I got a lot to learn. For the readiness is present, you want to. It is accessible according to what a person what? Has. Give according to what you have, not according to what they do not have. What you don't have doesn't matter. If you say, well, Pastor, I want to give more. In 54 weeks, we'll take another Heart for the Harvest offering. Start saving now. Put a dollar aside, put change, put whatever. Start saving now. I know a lot of groups who do it and a lot of families who do it. It's not about what you don't have. For it is not of the ease of others and for your affliction. Paul says, now, Corinthians, you guys, you guys are doing pretty well financially. And many of us are doing really great financially. Is that right? Okay, four of you. You bunch of lying. <laughs> I've been to your big house and seen your nice car. Come on. Bunch of us are doing well financially. Is that right? Yeah. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm glad I make more money today than when I got saved. 
Because that $50 a week doesn't go very far. See, it said, it's not for the ease of others and your affliction and your giving, but by way of equality. It's equal sacrifice, not equal giving. At this present time, you're what? Corinthians, you guys, are, you guys can give. And it's being a supply for their need. But this is the deal. So that their abundance may also may become a supply for your need. Listen, if you are generous and you're a giver and you get in a position where you have to be a receiver, God will always make sure you receive every need. Does that make sense? He will always make sure that that need. But Proverbs says that if you withhold your hand from the poor, God will withhold his hand from you. So there's just a biblical principle of reaping and sowing. So it said that there may be, again, he says it again, that there may be what? Equality in our sacrifice. For some people, there, we have students in Hartford Harvest, 10 bucks is going to be a sacrifice. We have single moms, $50 will put them not being able to buy groceries by the end of the week. But we have some people, $100,000 is a sacrifice. We have some people that $500,000 is a sacrifice. Are y'all with me? You say, are there people here that can write those kind of checks? If you're sitting next to one, get them in a headlock and say, he's talking to you. So, that there, may be equal, that there may be equality. Come on. Jesus said the largest offering he viewed while he was on the planet was less than one penny. The widow who snuck up to the treasury literally snuck up and dropped two copper mites in because see, she was embarrassed. That's why I say, if you don't have any money, don't be embarrassed. What your offering is. Are you with me? It may be a dollar. Don't you be embarrassed because Jesus looked at the disciples and said, the people that put in those bags of gold, she gave more than all of them because she gave out of all that she had. They gave out of their surplus. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. So just listen, it doesn't matter how the world sees it. It matters how God sees it. And it's about sacrifice that there may be equality. As it's written, he who gathers much did not have too much, and he gathered a little, had no lack. Talking about the manna, God said, you go out and get every day. I'll make sure that you have enough. God still makes sure that we have enough. Do y'all believe that? When Keith and Kayla were dirt poor and, and tithing, and now he just finished as chief of staff of UT Medical, let me tell you, he's no, he's no longer where he was back then, is he? And man, because of Keith and Kayla and people in this church like them, we're able to reach thousands of people and do things we can never do. Now, he switches it up in verse 16. And as we think about this, he, he goes, he's, he's talked from chapter 8, verse 1 through verse 15. He's encouraging them to give more in this offering. Are you with me? Then he switches to what, is, what was huge then and is even huger today. I know that's not a word. I make them up all the time. I'm the pastor. I get to do that. And so, he, and so he, he and, and let me tell you what he's about to talk about. He's about to talk about accountability financially. He's about to talk about what they're going to do with the money they gave. And let's be real. In a world today of media and finding out when preachers are stealing money and folks have mismanaged funds, are y'all with me? We're a, many of us are afraid to give because we don't know that we can trust the management of the deal. Some of us give only where we can control the money. That's not right. You give of your tithes, and you give that control to God and to whoever's leading his church. Amen. Not you. Are you with me? Yes. You didn't like that part, did you? It's tough. 
because it's Bible. I didn't write it. I didn't listen. I didn't plan it out. God did. And so it's about trust. Now, if you're brand new and you don't know us very well, you may not trust us yet. That's okay. Just hang around. You will because we are absolutely, we are, it's unbelievable the level of detail. We have an outside audit from an outside firm. Every year we'd had the same firm for a long time. So we just brought a new firm in. We said, hey, we have a new firm. And we, we go every dime I, to the level of the, the, the auditors tell me when I take certain people to lunch that the church can't pay for it, who I can buy lunch for and who I can't. That's how, that's how $8 million budget, that's how, that's how minuscule we get. So I'm telling you can trust. Are you with me? You can trust. So Paul answers that to the Corinthians. He said, but thanks be to God who puts the same earnestness on behalf in the heart of Titus. See, they wanted to give. Titus was with them, for he not only, Titus, accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he has gone, uh, he has gone to you of his own accord. So it, Titus is, is with the Corinthians, so Paul sends it back with this letter to read, saying, I'm coming back, Titus, get the offering ready. And Titus wanted to. He's gone to you out of his own accord. We have sent along with him out the brother. Who's the brother? We don't know. The Bible is complete in message, but it's not complete in details. Don't you hate that? We love details, don't we? But God doesn't give them because God said it doesn't matter. Whose brother, whose fame in the things of the gospel, so he's a preacher, has spread throughout all the churches. And not only this, but he was appointed. He has been appointed by the churches to travel with us in this what? Gracious work. What? The offering which is being administered by us for, why, for the glory of the Lord himself. You give in heart for the harvest. We administer that gift in what we do. We tell you where it goes for the glory of the Lord Jesus that will make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. Is anybody in on something like that? That's what we do. That's what we do. And so it's for the glory of the Lord. It's not for the glory of faith. Promise, certainly not me, our staff. It's for the glory of Jesus. It's his church, his Bible, his vision. And to show our readiness, taking precaution, here it is, so that no one will what? Discredit us in the administration of this generous gift. We want you to know how it's going to be spent. We want you to know what we're doing. We want you to know. For we have regard for what is what? We're going to take care of business. Not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested. So it's Paul, Titus, the dude, and the other dude. Dude one, dude two, Titus, and because we, we, our other brother, whom we have often tested and found what? Diligent in many, many things. But now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. For as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker. Among you, as our brethren, they are messengers of the churches, a, a glory to Christ, therefore openly before the churches, show them the what? Proof of, what's the proof of their love? Generosity is the proof of their love. And of our reason, because you know, you always give the most of the people you love the most. Is that right? Christmas, every year, Michelle gets my most expensive gift. And when my kids were little, they would complain, Dad, you love Mom more than us. I would say, that's right, I do. You didn't tell your kids that, absolutely. I didn't lie to my kids. Yes, I love your mother more because one day y'all are leaving. It's going to be me and her running naked in the house. <laughs> Come on, somebody about some empty nest. 
pastor, you don't do that. Well, don't get the image in your head, but yes. Yeah, yes. And so why do I give Michelle the greatest gift? Because I love Michelle more than anybody else. She comes number two in my life. Jesus is number one. Does that make sense? So Paul says, listen, there's going to be an accounting in this, in this deal. Let me, there's a card in every other seat that says sacrifice on it. I went over it last week. I told you where the money had been spent. Let me just give you real quickly where this year there's a five-year plan that began Heart for the Harvest last year. You'll see it. So what are we doing? Number one, God behind bars. I told you about the email I got. Did I tell you that? Okay. It, it, and it, as services go on, it gets crazy in my head. So we're doing God behind bars. Faith promise that next year, August, we're going to launch our Loudoun County campus. It's going to rock. It's going to be unbelievable. September 16, we're refinancing a 25-year our debt to a 15-year loan. We're going to put a million dollars against the principal, and God is going to bless one of our businessmen, our women, and they are going to pay off the rest of the debt at Faith Promise Church, and we're going to be debt-free in Jesus' name. So... So we're going to refinance the debt. Again, we have short-term and long-term plans. Then we are purchasing our North Knoxville. We moved out of the Expo Center into the Trinity Chapel Church building, three-year lease. At the end of three years, we buy that for $1.74 million, 16 acres, 40,000 square feet, a $10 million project that we buy for $1.7 million. Not very, I mean, that's almost a gift. In September of 19, we've got to move to Blount County campus. Now, let me just give you full disclosure. Blount County's in three services, planning on going to fourth in January. There's not enough parking. There's not enough kid space. We've got to open up more room to win more people to Jesus, more seats, more services, more sites for more souls that are going to heaven. So, but we have a, we, we have a problem. We, we, we've, we have a five-year plan. We found a place to purchase that is so cheaper than, than the North Knox that is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And so we need to do it, but we're not going to borrow money. So the only way that we're going to make this happen to expand Blount County campus and do it early is for Heart for the Harvest to be Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever ask or think or imagine. Can God do it? Can God do it? It's all in God's hands. So I ask you, pray and believe, God, what do you want us to do? But to give, you got to trust. you got to trust God's going to come through. you got to trust the administration of the gift. I mean, that's just the deal. And if, if you're new, you may not trust us, that's okay. Hang around. You will trust us. You'll learn. You'll, you, you'll just learn that. But let, me, let me tell you one more thing. I'm going to shut this down. Our biggest stronghold at Faith Promise Church, if you're listening, say I am, is money. It's not sex. It's money. Because the people who are afraid or people that are disobedient are all kind of issues. Jesus said the number one competitor for your heart between him and that would be money. And in Jesus' name, what I, my heart and the heart of the leadership and our elders is that you would serve God and money would be your servant, that you would master money. Money is a tool and that you would master that money. You'd be, you'd be a giver, you'd be generous, and God could open up the windows of heaven or part of blessing such that you cannot contain it so that we can fund the vision and the mission of God. Are y'all with me? And so, man, it has been my prayer that we are, but, because if, if we don't, then we grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? The rich young ruler walked away lost and went to hell, rejected Jesus to his face. Why? Because of his money. Man, money's a great tool. I enjoy having money. I'd like to have a lot more of it. 
Are you with me? But my number one prayer of money is I'll be able to give at least $100,000 a year away. That's, that's, that's my, my shell's goal. And so it's not about me having more. It's about advancing the agenda of God. And so Jesus came and said, the captive is free, right? Right? Just because you're saved doesn't, just, just doesn't mean you're free. And finances are the biggest chain around our necks. Let me tell you, money's a horrible taskmaster, and it builds a terrible prison. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, my last verse, what? Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. I wish I had time to unpack that sentence that Jesus gave us red letters, but the people that have been giving here, like Keith and Kayla, understand that verse. Are you with me? Because they have given, it is, it is rolled back. All right, I'm done. I'm going to do it one more time, and I'm going home, and I'm going to eat roast. And it's going to be really good. I can't wait. You say, I thought we are on a fast. I'm eating one meal a day, and I'm eating roast. Listen, some of us have let money block us from God. Because we watch the comedians, we watch the talking heads out there who crucify the church and say all the church wants is your money. What the church wants is you to be saved, go to heaven, and be set free while you're here. That's the will of God. I don't care what Jimmy Fallon or I don't care what Bill Maher, I don't care what Cone, I don't care what any of the talking heads say. That's what Jesus said. And he is the son of God that rose from the grave. And so if you're ready to begin a relationship with him, he's waiting on you to invite him in. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're ready, we're going to pray what we call a confessional prayer with you to say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my master. You died for me. I will live for you. I want to be sacrificial. I want to be faithful. Write my name in your book. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, come on, somebody give him some praise in the house. So this is the deal. If you at any of our campuses just gave your heart to Jesus, take the communication card out in front of you, fill that out, drop in the offering boxes after we, we still have, we're still early. The, music, the sermon went early, so we're going to do a little worship. Take in this worship, fill that out. Or you want to go to our next steps area, find out about what your next step is. If you need to be in a group or baptism, whatever you need, write that down and we'll follow up with you. When the worship team dismisses us, if you need prayer, there will people up here waiting for you. Do we serve a God that is worthy of worship? Let's stand and let's worship our God.